0: Te marie and welcome to First Up. It's Rāperi, Thursday the 15th of December. Ko Anna Thomas, Coming up, our reporters hit the streets of Auckland for tips on how to get rid of visitors who outstay their Christmas welcome. Will ditching the fuel tax raise inflation, we ask Deputy Prime Minister Grant Robertson. And the head of the Major Trucking Association explains why our haulers aren't happy about it. Plus, we take the road less travelled to the self-declared republic of Whangamomana.
1: The Mayor of Stratford at the time was David Walter and he said well you're all revolting out there so why don't you revolt and declare yourselves a republic. The plan was hatched at the local pub and as they say the rest is history.
0: Te marie and welcome to First Up, I'm Anna Thomas. We are going to begin Thursday's programme in the UK and with me now from London is our correspondent Ali J. Morina. Ali, how are you? Te marie, Anna, I'm good, thank you.
2: Great to
0: be. I'm great, great to be speaking with you today. Um, Now there's a sad story to begin the uh, show with, Uh, there's been another migrant boat incident in the English Channel. What can you tell us?
2: This is a very tragic story. Just a few, well, throughout the day today, we've heard the news that four migrants have died in the Channel between England and France. So in the early hours of this morning, a small boat made a distress call. The Coast Guard went out. There was a search and rescue mission. They managed to locate the boat. Um, Reports are saying that there were 43 people who were rescued from the Channel, some from the water as well. And the government has released a statement confirming that four people have died. So the UK is in the grip of a cold snap at the moment. We've had temperatures across the country in the minuses for the past couple of days this water would have been absolutely freezing and some of the reports are saying that people who were in the water were just wearing t-shirts as well Mm. so it is a horrific incident in the house of commons today there was a prime minister's question time the home secretary suella braverman was talking about this she expressed profound sadness and deepest sympathies she said um, and also called it a sobering reminder of why the government here has to end these crossings so yesterday in the house of commons the Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, unveiled this new migrant policy that he said would tackle illegal immigration uh, and that anyone arriving in the UK illegally wouldn't be able to stay. So this is in response partly to a lot of these small boat crossings. We've seen over 40,000 people arrive in the UK this year. Um, Today Suela Braverman was saying that there have been 30,000 crossings that were stopped in France before they could cross. And so they're bringing in these new measures that they say will deter her people from getting to the UK in this way. They've said as well they'll open new legal ways for people to claim asylum. Um, We'll have to wait and see what those are in the the next year. But reaction to these announcements have been mixed, especially in the wake of this tragedy today. So Médecins Sans Frontières have said the government approach is only going to cause more situations like today, push even more people into choosing these really dangerous Routes to try and get to the UK as well. The Liberal Democrats—they've mm. said that some of these measures will weaken protection for victims of human trafficking. But what's clear, and what's made even more clear, is that something needs to be done to stop situations like this happening.
0: Absolutely, just tragic. Um, now, nurses are set to strike uh, tomorrow, UK time. They're, they're after a pretty large pay rise. Uh, how likely are they to get what they want?
2: Well, at the moment, I mean, at the moment, there's lots of reporting that the government are, aren't are coming to the table in these negotiations. So there will be this nurses' strike tomorrow, the 15th of December, and also on the 20th of December here. This was announced by the Royal College of Nursing. So it's the first ever nationwide nurses strike that we've that we've had here. They're saying emergency care won't be affected, routine and outpatient treatment will be. I mean, the Labour leader today, Keir Starmer, has called it a badge of shame for the government. He said that the government have refused any kind Of negotiation rishi sinak refuted that he said they did give nurses a three percent pay rise last year but you're right they're asking for a 19.2 percent pay rise which is quite a big rise as well and saying uh, the government aren't negotiating and that nurses are struggling there's lots of reports coming out today that focus on nurses who are saying that they would strike but actually can't afford to because there's no pay for strike days as well. And it's just part of this huge number of strikes that are happening in the moment. There isn't a day in December where there isn't a strike of some kind, be it rail strikes, postal strikes, civil service strikes as well. Um, So we'll have to wait and see what happens. But at the moment, it's looking like the strike will take place tomorrow and most likely on the 20th of December as well. Tragic. Um,
0: Ali J, our correspondent in London, thanks so much and have a very merry Christmas. It is ten past five and you are listening to First Up on RNZ National with me, Anna Thomas. Now, we are keen for your feedback. Uh, We're going to take you later in the programme to Whangamomona and also Murchison. And we're wondering where is the most interesting place in New Zealand that you have visited and you would maybe recommend. You've got some time uh, over the holidays, a little bit of time off. Um, Where are you going to go? Uh, What's the most interesting place you've visited and where would you recommend we go? You can text us on 2101. You can also tweet us at RNZ or email firstup at rnz.co.nz. Now, you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at firstuprnz. It is 11 minutes past five, and now we are going back to Europe, uh, where I'm joined from Sweden by our correspondent, Anita Purcell-Sherland. Morena, Anita. Morning. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Um, uh, News out this morning that Kiev is once again under attack from Russian rockets and, and that the power infrastructure is being targeted. What's the latest?
3: Well, President Zelensky is requesting 50 million energy efficient light bulbs to help Ukraine cope with the Russian attacks on the country's energy system. And the strikes have left millions with Without power over winter. Now, the latest updates report Ukrainian authorities saying the air defence system intercepted and destroyed 13 explosive laden drones on their way to attack Kiev today. Now, President Zelensky said the drones have been part of Russian firepower aimed at power stations, water facilities and other utility sites. And therefore, he's calling for these uh, energy efficient light bulbs um, because many In many parts of the country, they only have electricity for a few hours a day. And also many critical services such as hospitals are relying on generators to keep the lights on. Mm. Um,
0: And earlier in the week, uh, we heard of arrests and a corruption investigation involving the European Union's Parliament. Any update on that news?
3: Well, one of those charged with corruption, participation in a criminal group and money laundering as part of the scandal includes the Parliament Vice President Eva Kaili of Greece. Now on Monday police conducted over 20 raids at European Parliament offices as part of the investigation into alleged influence peddling by a Gulf country at the European Parliament and in the latest raids police found hundreds of thousands of euros in homes and in suitcases and hotel rooms Now the prosecutors didn't name the country suspected of bribery uh, of bribing Parliament officials in exchange for political favours but Belgian police and uh, Belgian media and uh, several European Parliament members linked to the investigation to World Cup host Qatar.
0: Mm. Yes, we've been watching that uh, un- uh, f- unfold here in New Zealand. Now, eight defendants accused of the 2016 Bastille lorry attack and niece have been found guilty.
2: Yeah,
3: we're looking at seven men and a woman were sentenced a special court in Paris to jail terms ranging from two to 18 years. Three were convicted of association with a terrorist, while five others were found guilty of supplying weapons. The, the attacker driver, Mohammed Loaj Balal, was shot dead after driving a lorry into crowds on Bastille Day, um, the 14th of July. The 31-year-old Tunisian ploughed through a crowd of some 30,000 people who had been enjoying a fireworks display, and uh, the 86 victims included 15 children, and hundreds of people were attacked in the massacre, which was one of the worst attacks in Europe in recent years.
0: Mm. And Twitter has mislabeled Norway's foreign ministry
3: as no. Nigeria?
0: How on earth did that happen?
3: <laughs> well, basically, uh, the mislabeling came as both Nigeria and Norway begin with the letter N, and both countries are further linked by the stockfish, Norway exports en masse to West Africa. Uh, Norway lodged a rather humorous complaint to Twitter with its own post, say, and uh, I'll read it out because it's kind of cute, really. It goes, Dear at Twitter support, as much as we enjoy our excellent bilateral relations and close alphabetical vicinity with Nigeria, we could appreciate it if you could label us as Norway. Not only had the Norwegian Foreign Minister's Twitter account been mislabeled, but so had the accounts of Prime Minister Jonas Garstura and Foreign Minister, Anakin Huitfeld. <laughs> oh
1: dear.
0: Hey, Anita Purcell, Sherlinde, thanks so much and thanks for all your work over the, over the year and have a great Christmas. Now, back by popular demand, we've got a couple of Christmas questions today. Firstly, it's an uncomfortable question for some and an unfathomable question for others. What do you do when people are lingering at your place for too long on Christmas Day and it's time for them to leave?
1: Uh, put the kids in their pyjamas so they take the hint that it's time to leave. can never happen. I like them to linger, so it can never happen, so I don't need to worry about it.
4: I'm a Westie and I shouldn't answer that one.
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, no. I'll go ahead.
4: Basically, my friends, I just tell them to pee off.
3: I tell them my kids are throwing a tantrum, (laughs) they need to go.
4: Never had that
5: problem, but um, I suppose you just say um, we've had enough and Merry Christmas.
2: Oh, I mean, if it was at my house, I'd just go to bed. (laughs) They can stay as long as they want.
4: (laughs) probably depends on how many drinks you've had and then you could probably just tell them to leave to be fair, otherwise, I don't know, God.
0: You just say it to them, it's time to leave now guys,
2: you go on. <laughs> yeah, we're very direct in the, in, uh, the Netherlands. Uh, tricks? Turn the lights off, <laughs> turn the music off. <laughs> well, we're in the happy, I suppose, space of having our family
3: provide Christmas for us, so we're the ones that can leave. So, yeah, not a problem. <laughs> I love that.
0: Turn the lights off. Um, actually, you could just get, forget about putting the kids into pyjamas. Get yourself into your pyjamas. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the other question we'd be remiss if we didn't ask people was uh, about their favourite summer beach.
2: Long Bay. Mission Bay. Waihi. Piha. My favourite summer beach would have to be in Gisborne, on the beach, Wainui Beach. Wainui Beach, Long Gisborne. We live at Mission Bay and we've got a batch at
3: Piha, so both of those.
6: Oh, Ch. Um,
7: Funabroa. Yeah.
6: Shakespeare, yeah. Yeah, every, every year we stay there. That's nice. So is that where you're going to be at Christmas? Yeah.
7: Oh my gosh, that's a difficult one. Uh, anywhere
1: in Raratonga? <laughs>
5: My favourite beach at the moment would be Maraitai, where we live
1: I like Long Bay, yeah it's always empty and always nice to go
2: for a walk Uh, Well I'm from Christchurch, I really love this place called Corsier Mm -hmm. Bay I like going there, it's a bit of a stony beach but it's got a right thing you swim out to and just quite secluded, yeah
4: We'll go Moringi Bay, that's where I grew up Tairua, Coromandel, beautiful place
2: In the Netherlands we have uh, Scheveningen, and uh, that's the beach where I go to
0: Mm. Anywhere in the Abel Tasman for me, I reckon. Uh, If you've got a favourite beach, text us 2101. Now, it is First Up's last week of 2022, and hopefully many of us will be enjoying a summer break. Uh, We've decided to help out by giving you a guide to summer fun in the main regions on a budget, with the cost of living issues being top of mind. Obviously, anything you can do on the cheap is great. Uh, I caught up with Warwick Dent, the General Manager of Events and Experience at Wellington NZ, to highlight summer fun in the capital.
8: It's a really busy summer on the events front. And I guess after a few years of events being a bit uncertain, it's great to go into the summer with a certainty of events, isn't it? Some of those favourites like Gardens Magic, the Waitangi Day Festival, the Pacifica Festival, looking in further ahead into Cuba Dupa at the end of summer. So some great large-scale community events for people to get into, and also a whole lot of great and exciting ticketed events—music, um, comedy, and sport—right through summer.
0: I have to say, Kubadupa is one of my favourite festivals, and and uh, it's is there, is there a really good uh, line up this year.
8: Yeah, it'll be great to have it back, and I think, no, as I said, the last couple of years have been quite challenging for some of our our major events, but I'm sure the team at Kubadupa are planning some pretty special things for the last weekend of March.
0: Yeah, fantastic. It's a lovely time over Christmas and New Year in the capital city. You've also got some incredible sporting events coming up too, don't you? Tell us about those.
8: Yeah, there's some big sporting events, not only over summer, but over the, over the sort of next uh, year. So uh, looking at summer, we've got um, USA women's football team playing the football ferns here in wellington in january got two cricket tests the black caps play both england and sri lanka at the basin reserve over summer it's always a great day at the basin we've got international hockey with new zealand women's team taking on both usa and china in the pro league and then you've got the return of the likes of super rugby both men's and women's the phoenix are playing over the summer so a really busy summer of sport but then, as we look further ahead into next year, um, the big one in July and August is the FIFA Women's World Cup, where Wellington will host nine matches. It's going to be fantastic.
0: And what do you usually do, Warwick, over Christmas and, and the summer period in Wellington?
8: I'm having a pretty quiet one, but I've, I've got a couple of events which I think I'll, I'll try and get along to, a couple of unusual ones. So, Fatboy Slim and Solomio are playing back to back at Anderson Park in the Botanics Garden, not a venue that gets used a lot for events, but a mm-hmm. fantastic location and a fantastic sort of atmosphere for music events there at Anderson Park and the other one I think just again due to its location and sort of something slightly unusual is Lord at our Williams Park and Days Bay there by the beach which yeah. if it's a nice night like it was last night it will be fantastic
0: Yeah I know you've had some um, exceptional weather this last week <laughs> seems uh, that uh, <laughs> Auckland uh, Tamaki Makaurau has lost the weather and it's all travelled down to Wellington uh, and you've got some just uh, tell us about the, some of your comedy acts coming up
8: yeah, it's a big summer of comedy. So I think maybe a reflection of um, everyone needing a bit of a laugh. But yeah. um, no, Wellington's always had a great local comedy scene, but a lot of international comedy coming through Wellington and, and the country this year. And, and it's selling really well. And the likes of um, Sarah Milliken and Jimmy Carr have put on extra shows. Oh, so um, right. I think over summer, we've got something like 15 international comedians coming through the city. So a lot of comedy for people that get out uh, have, have a good time, have fun, and a lot of music coming through, a lot of international music. We've got the Pixies, Cowboy Junkies, um, and a whole lot of other things that are coming through. And of course, probably the, the one that a lot of people will be looking forward to is Ed Sheeran. Who not only playing a sold-out stadium show at Sky Stadium, but three nights at our Opera House as a warm-up to (sighs) his uh, world tour.
0: Spectacular. Wonderful, Warwick. Where do you go to find out where everything is going to be and when it's going to be?
8: Uh, Easiest place to go is www.wellsandnz.com. Look on the events page there, um, and that'll give you a wide range of what's happening around the city and the region. Um, It also links through to our venues website where you'll be able to get tickets for any events that are held in the venues we run.
0: That's Warwick Dent from Wellington NZ. It is 22 past five. I'm Anna Thomas and you're with First Up on RNZ National. Coming up, we head to the self-declared Republic of Fongamomina, where the current president narrowly beat a goat and Ted the pub cat in the previous election. (laughs) And we'll ask the Finance and Deputy Prime Minister why the government's decided to scrap the fuel discounts at the very time the Reserve Bank says we'll go into recession. Now, all week we've been touring Aotearoa, hearing about some of the more weird yet wonderful things our country has to offer. This morning we begin in Murchison, where the fire just keeps on burning. Back in 1922, a couple of farmers uh, were hunting in the bush when they smelt gas. And curiosity turned that gas into a defiant flame. I spoke with Stephen Riley, who takes tours to the natural flames, who explained the phenomenon. A couple
5: of guys were hunting up a valley next to Murchison called the Blackwater. And they simply stumbled on it. They stumbled on a place where there was a gas seep
0: coming from under the ground. Well, wow. So they obviously smelt the gas first. And then what
5: did they yeah. do? Yeah. Yeah, well, also, yeah, not just smell, smelling it, it's quite wet up in the bush, and I think they heard the bubbles, it was actually bubbling through the ground. Oh, wow, and then what did yeah, they do? Yeah. Okay, so there are two theories, one is that they actually didn't realise it was there, and they were having a smoke, and they one of them threw <laughs> the smoke, and it just kind of boom Whoa. But, so that's one theory but probably more realistic was they smelt the gas and heard the bubbles and basically lit it they actually went away and got a pipe and took it back into the bush planted the pipe where the gas was coming out and lit the end of the pipe like a flare
0: oh wow so that yeah, was, yeah. That, and that was what, back in 1922 or something?
5: Yeah, yeah, so it's 100 years ago.
0: Wow, and so that flame has just continued to burn. It
5: continues. Now, I hate saying this, but every now and again it will get extinguished by a very heavy downfall of rain. Right. So we do have to light it every now and again. I think I've
0: lit it four times in eight years, so we've been doing oh, the tour for eight years. Yeah. And and I suppose that the most the biggest question that comes to my mind is is what about the risk to forest fires or wildlife? Does yeah. that pose that risk? Sure. It's a
5: minimal risk. The bush is so wet. So I don't know if you remember the Nelson fires about three years ago. Yeah, sure do. Okay, so that, those fires were going up, I think it was Pigeon Valley, and all the pine forest was burning and there's a graphic display of the fire was going up the valley and there was a bit of native bush in the middle and it just went round the bush. It just kind of went round the um, the native. So it's quite difficult to light up the native forest here.
0: Right, because it's so damp. It's okay, just, it's and so do, yeah. yeah, and do the locals use the flames to cook, Steve?
5: Uh, yeah, well, so historically they would go up on a long weekend, for example, and have a barbie. Right. Um, yeah, but it is it is uh, it's quite difficult access, and so that's why we take the tour. So we've got a concession with the local farmer, and he allows us to go through his farm, and yeah, and, take people up. Brilliant. So, so, what do you do on the tours? So it's like three parts. We we call it farm, forest, plains. Yeah, and so we travel thirty minutes from Mitcham up a valley called the Black Water. Uh, historically, they tried drilling for oil and gas, so they found deposits of oil up the Blackwater, and that's the connection to the flames. So it's not a thermal thing, it's an oil and gas thing.
0: Right. And do we have any idea if the, the gas will ever run out?
5: Yeah, no, we don't know. No. It's, it's, <laughs> we think it's a substantial deposit of gas or oil. It's so regular, like it's every time we go up, it's kind of like the same amount of gas coming through. So that's the surprising thing about it is, how does it regulate? You know, how does that same amount of gas just keep coming through?
0: And that is Natural Flames tour guide, Steve Riley. It's business.
9: It's business time. That's what you're trying to say. You're trying to say, let's get down to business. It's business time. It's business.
0: Yeah, and we're getting down to business uh, with the business team and Giles Beckford's Morena, Giles.
4: Morena to you, Anna.
0: What have we got today?
4: Are we saving?
0: (laughs) I'm not.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you would seem to be just in the mainstream then. Mm. We're looking at, we get lots of reports about uh, various things. This one's from uh, a comparison site called Finder, and they've done a look around the world at savings rates and savings habits. Uh, in various countries. And it would seem New Zealand is at the bottom of the pile, or just about there. Uh, if you remember during the pandemic, one of the features was because we couldn't go out, because you couldn't go into the shops uh, and you couldn't have a, a shop till your drop session, um, it didn't quite make it online. I mean, we yeah, bought a lot of stuff online, but we actually ended up saving money Uh, during the pandemic or at the beginning of the pandemic in particular. Mm. But from that point of view, uh, that was probably as good as it got. Uh, And New Zealand's never had a particularly good savings record. So this survey from Finder suggests that uh, for this year, New Zealand households will be spending $139 that they don't have. In other words, oh, right. now, part of that mm. will be a reflection of rising prices uh, and interest rates uh, and the like. But in the end, it would seem that we've sort of gone back to that old um, spend, spend, spend mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, compare this with uh, countries, even Australia is doing better than us, but uh, compare it with Switzerland where their savings rate is, if we're spending $139 a year we don't have. They're saving $14, 000, nearly, oh, nearly $14,200 uh, a year.
0: Wow. No. But, I mean, what's their cost of living like? Because I, I, I'm well, sure many people would argue that, that people aren't saving because the cost of living is so high and it's really hard to make ends meet. It,
4: it, it will definitely be. I mean, these are obviously, you know, these are averaged out figures. But, um, I mean, cost of living in Switzerland is largely higher than in New Zealand. Um, but then, of course, their wages are probably better than, mm-hmm. than ours as well. But in the end, uh, you know, you have to say for some households, you know, clearly they just can't make ends meet, and uh, that comes down to the wages that are being paid, or the benefits that they're um, that they're, they're getting, uh, or just the fact that you know the sheer costs of their lifestyle, in other words, where they live, their mortgages and their transport bills, you know, that really eats up all their disposable income, but you'd have to, you know, think back personally. What are you spending money on that, if you were to think about it, you don't really need? You could leave in the bank. You could mm. save for something bigger. Mm. Anyway, look, that's just something interesting to come to at the end of the year. Tomorrow, mm. I will answer any listener's question. Uh, sensible question uh, <laughs> that, that that is sent through to us, and I will look at the economics of Christmas.
0: Oh, oh, I like that. Okay, text two one oh one, or you can email first up. Um, brilliant, lovely, and you can hear more from the business team on Morning Report at ten to seven. Thanks so much, Giles. Looking at the money markets now, our New Zealand dollar is worth sixty four point four four US cents and ninety three point eight six Australian cents, sixty point five two Euro cents, fifty two. 0.08 British pence, uh, 4.47 yuan and 86.89 Japanese yen. Now we continue our tour of parts of the country that you could do worse than visiting the summer. Uh, next we're in Whangamomona, east of New Plymouth in the central North Island, or as some locals would have it, uh, the Republic of Whangamomona. Local woman Gaylene Cobblestone explained to me how the town got its mantle.
1: Back in the day, about 1989, they decided that our water was not was going the wrong way, so they put us into the Manuatu, Wanganui. And the mayor of Stratford at the time was David Walter, and he was a bit of a trick, and he said, well... You're all revolting out there, so why don't you revolt and (laughs) declare yourselves a republic? So the plan was hatched at the local pub in the corner, of course, and as they say, the rest is history.
0: (laughs) And it's become quite a selling point, hasn't it? You know, you go visiting the the, the republic and, and you have special days to celebrate.
1: We do. We have our Republic Day, which is coming up next year on the 21st of January. So, you can come out and catch up with shearing and gut busting and. Gut busting? What's gut busting? Oh, you run up a hill and. You run up a hill and down the other, full of thistles, and and, (laughs) and for the prize at the end, you might get a can of Coke. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, we have dog trials and chopping and all sorts of things. Sheep racing and, yeah. Sheep racing. Yep, and you can swim with the eels and, yeah, no. Ah! Just oh, good lovely. Old, good old day, really. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Swimming with the eels, yep. by golly. Okay, I, I take it they don't bite. That's our fear factor.
1: Oh. <laughs> fear
0: factor. Brilliant. And you get quite a few people from out of town coming to the Republic Day.
1: We do, yep. It used to be when the trains were running, we'd get them train loads from Palmerston North and Auckland, so that would swell but. But they sadly can't come anymore. But we've still got our um, golf carts which ride the, the rails. So yeah, they come along as well.
0: That's a great tourist attraction. Actually, those golf carts on the uh, on the rail tracks. That's wonderful. Hey, how has some um, how has things been over COVID and your lack of tourism? Has it been tough going?
1: No, it's been pretty good actually. The um, the pub said you know like the domestic trade has been good. You know, people have supported it. Things have just ticked along. So um, I think. People are, you know, finding different areas in the country to, to come and visit, and yeah, Wonga has been one of them, so it's been good.
0: Now, apart from your Republic Day, what what else can people come and, and have a look at in Fungamomina?
1: Of course, you've got the pub, which is the which pub. is the um, the Republic office, and um, you can rehydrate. And while you rehydrate, there's a mini pub and there's a playground across the road for the for the kids. But there's also some of the locals have set up their horse trekking business and bike rides and motorbikes and four-wheel drives, and it's a mecca out here for all that sort of thing, so plenty to always plenty to do. Yeah. And if you call into the pub you can um if you find a local, you know you can go and experience some farming farming experiences if you're if you're that way inclined.
0: Mm, that sounds brilliant, especially for us townies. now what about the precedent, how how likely are you to to meet the precedent?
1: you're very likely to meet the president at the, because that's his office at the pub. At he, the pub, right. And he goes there every day just to meet all his constituents. So, um, yep, yep, he's always up for a chat. And, uh, and he's a farmer, so he's been known to take, especially at sharing time, if you, he'll gobble you up and take you down to the wool shed and you can um, help with the sharing.
0: Oh, brilliant. Uh, who is the president, the current reigning president?
1: John Herlihy. John, yep, Hurley.
0: John Hurley, yep, yep. And how long has he been president for? Oh,
1: he won last time. Two, so it must have been 2017. I think he, oh. he came into power.
0: Are there usually quite a few people who, who uh, run for the presidency? Oh,
1: uh, yeah. Sometimes we've had we've had a dog and we've had a goat. And <laughs> so we've had um, yeah. What about a female yeah. president? Well, we had Vicky from the pub. She was an interim president when, um, sadly, Mert, our current president, died. Yeah, but she got tossed out. So even even Ted, the pub cat, got more votes than she did. Oh, I'm sorry (laughs) to
0: hear that for Vicky. Well, (laughs) have you ever thought about running Gaylene?
1: No. Oh, okay. No. No, no, John, he does a great job.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. And and tell me why you love living there.
1: Oh, it's just paradise. You know, we... We're down a little no-exit gully and you get up on top of the hills like when I'm going mustering this morning and you look out and you think, oh, you're just the luckiest person in the world. It's just just the countryside and the animals and the community, That that's a great community. If the chips are down, something happens to somebody, everybody rallies around and... It's um, yeah, great little community. So
0: it's always the the, the beautiful thing about small town in New Zealand, really the communities and the sense of community. Uh, tell yeah. me, uh, Gayleen, what are your plans for Christmas?
1: Christmas, just family, family. We've um, yeah, got some grandies, so um, catch up with them and just catch up with family and friends, really. So that's about it. We go head up to New Plymouth, which is two hours away, so that's a bit of a treat, but that's all good.
0: And tell me, you are about to head out mustering this morning. We're keeping you from that. What's uh, what's the plan?
1: Well, we ha- I had a bit of an oopsie, so um, this is basically a mop up job. I had um, cows and calves and sheep as well, and too many dogs the last time. Is, so people who know what I'm talking about know it'll be. It was one big cluster. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so to, if I take less dogs, I might have a little bit of luck today. So, yeah.
0: We wish Gaylene all the very best with that muster and that little oopsie, Galen Cobblestone of Fungamomina. It is 20 minutes to six. I'm Anna Thomas and you're with First Up on RNZ National. Loving your feedback this morning. A great text in about favourite places to visit during the holidays. This one came in, the best place must be NIS. That's not in service. Every bus in Wellington is going there. Hilarious. Keep them coming in. Uh, Still to come, we ask the Finance and Deputy Prime Minister why the government's decided to scrap the fuel discount at the very time the Reserve Bank says we'll go into recession. Then uh, Transporting New Zealand Chief Executive Nick Leggett on why the end of the discounted road user charges will mean higher costs for the consumer. And the Professionals of Morning Report are up at six. And for a quick preview of our flagship news programme, here's Corin Dan. Good morning, Corin.
7: Arthur maria, good morning, we'll have uh, a strong look at the shape of the government's finances this morning the Finance Minister Grant Robertson will be in to talk about his half year economic fiscal update, the issues around public transport and the subsidy which has been extended for a little bit but will eventually go of course so we'll talk to the Greens, Julianne Genta as well for a different perspective on that Uh, we will also uh, be covering of course the football a lot of interest in how Morocco is going to go against uh, France Uh, we'll hear two from uh, the Deputy Director General of the Ministry of Health, uh, Dr Andrew Old, just for how people in the health sector are going to cope with what is going to be an extremely busy holiday period with COVID uh, very much still out and uh, about. And we'll check in on the Fringe Festival, the New Zealand Fringe Festival, with tickets going on sale tonight. So that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks very much, Corran and, and the team will be back. Um, we'll be up at six with the programme. Now, you people will pay another... T- rather, uh, I think we're here. Are we here? We're here. We're here. Yes, we are. Um, people will pay another 25 cents a litre on fuel from the end of March 2023 after the government yesterday announced an end to the petrol tax cut. Half price public transport fees will also end at that time while the discount to road user charges will end as planned on the 31st of January. Our Producer Matthew Tunison discussed this uh, with the Finance and Deputy Prime Minister Grant Robertson but he started by asking about the uh, Prime Minister calling Act Party leader David Seymour an arrogant prick in Parliament, a remark that's made headlines around the world. Is that a label he'd apply to Mr Seymour?
9: (laughs) Well, I think the Prime Minister's indicated that that's something she apologises for saying. She knows she she shouldn't have said it, and so I always agree with the Prime Minister, and, you know, (laughs) these things happen from time to time. Clearly not a comment designed for public consumption, but one that she recognises she shouldn't have made.
6: Mr Simmel, he is someone that seems to inspire quite strong feelings in some people, isn't he? How would you sum him up? Perhaps a couple of words. <laughs> oh, you
9: know, look, I've known David for a long time. I mean, one thing I'll give him is that he is you know, very passionate about what he believes. He's very ideological about his libertarian ideology that he has, and he's quite sort of consistent in that. He likes the theatre of Parliament as much as anybody else, and he throws around, you know, words and accusations and all sorts of things, and, you know, that puts him, I guess, on the firing line a bit for people. I find myself disagreeing with him on almost everything, and in Parliament that happens, and you've got to find ways of being able to uh, express that disagreement.
6: All right. Uh, the fuel tax discount is going to end in March next year. Now, that's precisely the time that the Reserve Bank reckons we're going to be going into a recession. Isn't that the worst possible time to hit motorists with another 25 cents a litre on their fuel?
9: This is a balancing act, and what we're really doing here is moving towards much more targeted support. Obviously, with the fuel duty cut, all New Zealanders who have petrol-powered vehicles and diesel vehicles with RUC benefit from that, What we're doing is from the 1st of April, we'll have the Community Connect scheme, which is half-price public transport for people who have community services cards, and on that 1st of April will be the day that we see some pretty hefty increases, actually, in um, the family tax credit, main benefits, student allowances, superannuation, and so what we wanted to do was time the phase down of this so that those people were getting that support uh, pretty much straight away from there. It's been over a billion dollars that we've spent on this over the course of of a year it will be by the time we finish and that's a lot of money and there are a lot of other things that we need to do it's played a really important role in keeping inflation in check and that probably also bore in our thinking that by that second quarter of next year we're looking for inflation to have started to come down so it's a balancing act, there's a lot of things that we need to do but having spent the best part of a billion dollars supporting New Zealanders through the cost of living crisis, this is the period of time we now need to move to more targeted support.
6: Yeah but I mean Treasury has said that the tax cut reduced Inflation by zero point five percentage points. So presumably there'd be a corresponding jump in inflation when it ends. Shouldn't that shouldn't all, you know, the the focus just be on uh, keeping inflation down at this stage?
9: It is, and, and we're trying to do that in a number of different ways. But as I say, you know, by that point, that is when we're forecasting inflation will start coming off, and. We Really, we've got to look at this, you know, across the board of what we're trying to do. So, for example, in terms of public transport, we are keeping that half-price public transport for those on low incomes. And as Minister Wood said um, yesterday when we were doing the announcement, actually, in terms of getting people into public transport, about a 3% shift from this. There are other investments, particularly in how we get a more reliable public transport system that decarbonises the buses and so on, that we also need to make. So we're juggling all of those pressures, but as I say, we, we want to make sure we're looking after particularly low- and middle-income people, and those first-of-April changes will really do that.
6: But, but, but on the public transport side of things, it sounds like the, the half-price public transport scheme has been very, very successful. 7% more journeys on public transport according to Waka Kotahi, I mean, we want more bums on seats and buses and trains, right? Shouldn't, it, shouldn't that be the priority?
9: It absolutely is, and that's the point I'm making. That the research that I've seen tells me that actually, yes, price plays a part, and that's why we're keeping it in a targeted way. But the reliability of service is really important. We need more public transport, more buses, more trains. We need those to be ones that, you know, contribute to emissions reductions as well. And so there's a lot of things we can do in terms of public transport beyond just the price that people are paying. So we are, you know, we're looking to keep it for a little bit longer just to get people through this next couple of months where inflation stays really high. But there is a lot to do in the public transport space and a lot that we can do that will shift people out of the cars
6: and, and into trains and buses. We've been in touch with the, the Hauliers Association, Ia Ara Aotearoa. They are not very happy about the road user charges also announced yesterday. It was always going to end on January the 31st, wasn't it? But they still were hoping for a bit more of a uh, hand from the government. It means that, in some cases, trucks going to be paying upwards of 20 grand a year. And they say that will ultimately pass on to the consumer and also... Back to inflation so isn't that another way we can keep inflation down continuing yeah that look, to, i mean the first thing not...
9: about road user charges is you people do buy them in advance and so there is some benefit that flows beyond the the date at which the scheme ends on the 31st of january but again this is about where we invest, you know, and what a lot of people are, may not realise is that where Fed and the F- fuel excise duty and the road user charges go is they go straight into the national land transport fund to pay for the public transport investments and the roading network, and we've got to be continually topping that fund up if we're not collecting it via F- fuel excise duty and road user charges. So. Those people who drive on our roads who do that for a living also want our roads to be kept up, the maintenance to be done. And so we've got to be getting on with that. I absolutely recognise in an ideal world we would be continuing these kinds of subsidies, but we do have to get ourselves back to some kind of fiscal balance. We've spent a lot of money in the last couple of years getting New Zealanders through COVID. I completely back what we did, but we're now in a period of time where we do have to stabilise a bit fiscally, make some difficult choices, but also invest in that long-term stuff, like developing our transport network.
6: Listen, I don't want to sound too uh, self-interested here. I've asked so many people about the <laughs> RNZ-TVNZ merger this week. But, um, look, listening to the Prime Minister discuss it, she didn't sound like she was entirely confident that it's, that it's actually going to go ahead. Is it going to be scrapped, Grant?
9: Well, what the PM has done is she's asked all ministers to go away over the summer break and take a look at their agenda and say to themselves is this what we need to be focusing on when we are dealing with these pretty significant economic challenges inflation followed by a shallow recession I, I, what should we be f- focusing I've only on seen her
6: it? I've only seen her say that in response to questions about the RNZ TV NZ merger
9: that's just because that's the topic um, everybody seems to want to ask. She genuinely has every minister to do that. And look, so no decision's been made to stop it. So the answer to your question is no; it's not finished. We have to go through a process here where all ministers will come back. The thing I think is really important, and, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on Radio New Zealand. The thing I think is really important is we recognise that whatever happens, we have to fund public broadcasting, and public broadcasting is now existing in a, in a very dynamic, global broadcasting environment, and the whole point of this piece of work was to future-proof public broadcasting, was to make sure that we heard New Zealand voices, saw New Zealand stories in a very diverse way in which people get their content in different manners. And... We still need to do all of that work. We still need to fund public broadcasters, including Radio New Zealand. And so whatever happens, there will be costs. The question we have to ask ourselves is, is this what we want to be doing through 2023? We haven't resolved that question yet, and that's what ministers will be
6: considering over the break. All right, we'll we'll keep an air out. Finally, it's our last chat with you this year. I just want to ask a a question we've been putting to the fine folks of Tamaki Makoto. This week, I've been asking them some Christmassy questions. It's a scenario here. It's Christmas Day at the Robertson household, and Auntie Margaret and Uncle Morris are driving you up the wall, explaining why the government needs to imprison anyone with a messy berm outside their property, and they won't leave. So, Deputy Prime Minister Grant Robertson, how do you get rid of relatives who linger for too long at Christmas?
9: Oh, I think, you know, in the end, there's only so much you can do, and there's only... Really, one thing I think of that can solve that, and that's a Negroni. The Negroni's the all round. Uncle and auntie will be happy. Sorry, Everyone will relax to What's in a Negroni? And, and the Negroni. Oh. oh come on! <laughs> You're missing out on life, Matthew. It is. It, it, it's the drink of the 2020s. Ah. I'll send you the recipe.
0: (laughs) Wonderful. Grant Robertson talking to Matthew Tunison. And, by the way, Negroni is an Italian cocktail made of one part gin, one part vermouth rosso, and one part campari, garnished with orange peel. Now um, getting back to the issue of transport and fuel taxes uh, we've been told that the 25 cent a litre tax cut on fuel will end 31st of March next year Also a discount on road user charges for the country's haulers will end on the 31st of January Joining me now to explain what this will mean for operators is Chief Executive of Ara Aotearoa Transporting New Zealand Nick Leggett. Good morning Nick Kia ora ana. So, so how much extra will an average truck and trader have to pay each year as a result of this tax being scrapped?
10: Well, that depends obviously on its size and, and how many kilometres it travels. But if you take a, a large truck, anything over forty uh, 45,000 tonnes, uh, those ones that travel up between... Wellington and Auckland and do those the, the major freight routes you're probably looking at probably uh, twenty thousand dollars plus for a hundred thousand kilometers traveled Wow
0: um, and and ultimately you know who is going to be uh, paying that cost it will be the consumer won't it
10: of course and that's what we've said all along I mean we recognize the the uh, gesture of the government in easing costs not just for the industry but actually for consumers because everything that travels on the back of a truck um, which is most things in New Zealand, uh, if you increase the cost of that, you increase the cost of the product. And uh, I think that while it's good to hear the optimism of, of Grant Robertson around inflation and you know, the general improvement of the economy in the first quarter of next year, I mean, our view is that's going to be very optimistic. We live in a very volatile world, not just with fuel and diesel prices, obviously, but with uh, our economic conditions. And As it was pointed out, um, the... The whole transport package, be it public transport, be it fuel at the pump or road user charges, to put those costs back on is inflationary in itself. And we know that inflation is due to tick up in the first quarter of next year. The idea that it's going to miraculously come down when extra costs are being put on uh, a very important part of the economy, uh, I think is, is, well, let's see if it happens, but I think it's optimistic. Mm,
0: um, the, the Minister did say it was all about targeted support and a fiscal balance. but And this was always a temporary scheme. Were you expecting it to be made permanent?
10: Absolutely not. Our position has been that it should remain on until inflation was at or below about 6%. So I don't think we were asking for too much. What we were asking for was, and and, and the point is made by Grant Robertson, of course, that that road user charges fund the roads. I, I think there's probably a general view that there hasn't been enough funding going into roads. So there is a very well, there's a well-made point there. But um, we were, were saying that the supply chain has been under pressure. The trucking industry is actually required to keep a productive economy going uh, at a time when we need to be productive, we need to be growing uh, because we need to get our way out of inflation. Um, so this was really a, a, a just a continuation of targeted support to, um, to, to keep – keep the country moving at a time when that was most needed. And we're an industry uh, that's very important. 93% of freight travels on the back of a truck. And um, we we recognise the support the government had given, but we felt that there was probably another three or four months in that to, um, to, to to actually ensure that households weren't uh, pressured by additional costs, because what's going to happen mm-hmm. now on the thirty first of January is that you know, groceries are going to go up. If you think about you know an extra twenty thousand dollars to to run one truck, that cost is going to go. Uh, that's going to be felt um, uh, in, in shops, shops and in uh, the and the cost market. of everything.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hey uh, Nick Leggett, that's all we've got time for this morning. Thanks so much for joining us, Nick Leggett from. Attract- transporting new zealand and uh, finally this morning a little bit of your feedback i can't believe nobody mentioned the best beach in the country ohope beach um, just over the hill from Fakatane. and i really enjoyed farewell spit and all around that area thanks jill it is a f- stunning part of the country the morning Report team is up we'll catch you tomorrow for our last show